the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we continue our journey through Exodus with our series Arise, Move, and Go, we turn our attention to chapter 24 in the first 18 verses. Today's message is called, And They Saw God. Join us. We have grace next. you do if you saw God? Well, I think like most of us, if we look to Scripture, we get a clear indication of what we would be doing. Pretty much the same thing the Israelites did here in Exodus 24. Welcome to today's Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. As we continue our series, Arise, Move, and Go, we turn to Exodus 24, verses 1 through 18. It's a zealous commitment to mediate or mediatorial obedience that we see here. Now, just exactly what that means will be the focus of our time together today as Pastor Jesse dives into chapter 24 of Exodus. Here's Jesse now with today's program. And they saw God. That's our text. We are coming from the 24th chapter of Exodus, and we will be meditating on a number of things today that I hope will be relevant for you. And they saw God. And what a drastic difference between the experience of these former Egyptian slaves under Pharaoh with their pantheon of gods, which Israel had to endure for 430 years. What a, what a difference when when as a group of Hebrew slaves, they were under the rigor and dominion of a false god in a man named Pharaoh. Uh, they were under what we would call uh, prophetically an antichrist system. And they were immersed in it and they were taught it. And for all intents and purposes, they lived as Egyptians. I told you that, right? Um, even though they were chosen by God because of his promise to another that they should be a people group to the praise of the glory of his grace. And that parallels the gospel. For many of us grew up under Pharaoh's rule. We wore his garments and we thought and acted like he wanted us to until God called us by his grace. And Israel experienced a God that came into Egypt, not subverting them, like this present tyrannical Marxist system is doing to our country, but rather showing himself for what he really is, God. And he used a mediator, a man that they knew and God knew to come in and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. This is called true biblical liberation theology, by the way. 
And God showed up. He didn't, he didn't just send his boys in to surreptitiously educate and brainwash men and women and, and psychobabble them into a kind of collective system that you and I are dealing with. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Yes. When God came in, he came in overtly and he didn't deal with the people. He dealt with the leaders. Somebody will learn something in a moment. Because see, the way the snake works, he always operates on the ground. God operates from heaven and he operates through ordained men who will tell the world prophetically who the true and the living God is. And whether you know it or not, that's a battle that was waged between gods, the Lilliputian, Lilliputian God, Pharaoh, and the true and the living God. His mediators worked and God's mediators worked. And guess who prevailed? The one true and living God brought Israel out of that dark system and began gradually bringing them, as he said in Exodus 19, to himself. That's what he's doing with us. He's bringing us to himself through our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are also traveling through the wilderness, are we not? And we've learned a lot of lessons up to now. We are still in the 10th encampment. This 10th encampment has a lot of lessons to learn. We won't move for a while. You already know that the end of our text said Moses went up into the mount for 40 days. That's a major testing period. I want to lead you up unto that point today and show you several things that are remarkable about what God has done. God brought them out of a false system. He brought them out from a false God. He showed himself powerful through signs and wonders and miracles. Did he not? And then he demonstrated that he was a patir. He was a father. He was a patria for them, that he would provide for them bread and food, and water, and protection as he led them through the wilderness. Has God not done that for us? And that's because God, the true and the living God, really is God. He not only knows how to call us out, but he knows how to keep us on our journey. Men and women who know God in the pardon of their sins and in the power of his grace will admit that to this very day, God has kept us. His promises are true. He's watched over us, led us with signs and wonders by which we know him to be the true and the living God and us being his children. But what a remarkable day we have in front of us now. And I pray that you're not so sleep or dis distracted as to miss this. This is so important. In this 10th encampment, God has called Israel to another level of developmental experience. Remember, I told you it's deliverance, it's development, and then deployment. It's deliverance out of Egypt, development in the wilderness, and then deployment in the promised land. You guys remember that? This is old teaching I've told you years ago. Deployment in the promised land, meaning when they get there, they will be mature enough in their walk with God after 40 years to know what to do. Development is where we are right now, where God is incrementally developing an understanding of who he is to his people. Today is remarkable to me, given where Israel was, where the Hebrews were when God first called them out. They were acting like they didn't know God. Remember that? They were, and, and it was really because they didn't know God. 
But God has shown them that while they were questioning, can God provide a table in the wilderness? He was actually providing one. And he was helping them understand that he's never a God afar off for they had the pillar of fire at night and the cloud during the day. So God was with them. This is called Jehovah Shema. The Lord was there, was he not? But even as we consider and reflect that history, you and I know sometimes we can have a hard time believing that God is present with us, even though we see the signs, even though the cloud is there, and even though the fire is there, and even though God has catechized us in the fact that the cloud represents the mystery of his majesty, and the fire represents the purity of his presence, so that we know he's there and the cloud protects us during the day from our enemies and the fire guides us during the night on our journey, we still struggle with whether or not the Lord is among us. Would you agree with that? And so here the Lord says, okay, it's been over 90 days and I'm getting ready to draw them closer to me. I'm getting ready to draw the whole nation closer to me. Just a few weeks ago, we discovered how God spoke to them out of the mount. Did he not? And, and Moses reminded them in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 5, there is no God in the universe who has done what the true and the living God has done to such a nation. At one time, the whole nation hears from God. And so what did they get to have? They had a, they had a massive graphic audio experience, did they not? And we talked about how the awesome nature of the thunderous lightning power of God's word humbled them to the point where they requested what? A mediator. And as I share it with you, that makes all the sense in the world. Because drawing near to the true and the living God and the perfections of his holiness is going to undo you and I by virtue of our sinfulness. And that having a direct one-on-one -on -one conversation with the true and the living God, according to the whole of Torah, is impossible with sinful man. And so they fully grasped the fact that by nature they could not draw near to God because of their sinfulness. That is clear. And so they wisely requested a go-between, a daysman, a mediator that might talk with God and then talk to them so that they could hear from God through the mediation. This, we understand, is the way the gospel works. Is that true? How can I know except some man teach me? And so all of us, if we've ever come to know God in any saving way, it's through mediation. The mediation of a word proclaimed, the mediation of a man proclaiming that word or a person proclaiming that word, the mediation of parents raising them up in the truth. Did y'all hear what I just stated? Don't let it go over your head. What a blessed economy that God has given all of us to be part of that mediatorial work so the gospel can be brought near to men and women. Today, God once again wants to draw them near to him so that they can know the true and the living God is with them. So under points one, two, and three, I want to deal with their zealous commitment to mediatorial what? Obedience. Secondly, the divine call to worship in God's presence. And then finally, the transcendent view of the king of glory. 
a transcendent view of the king of glory. These are easily ascertained out of the text. This is how you preach exegetically. You don't hodgepodge ideas. You take them from the text and you expand on them. It's obvious by the text to me that they are still enjoying the benefits of their request back in Exodus 20. Moses, you talk to God and tell us what God says, and we will do everything that he says. Now, I'm going to talk about that in a moment because that's a real problem for all of us. Point number one, the zealous commitment to mediatorial obedience. We see this in chapter 24, verse 3. Notice what it says in chapter 24, where we are, verse 3. Here's what it says. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord. I'm going to explain that in a moment. And all the judgments... And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord had said, what? We will do. Y'all caught that? Now see what has happened? God answered their prayer. Moses went and talked with God for the people. And now Moses comes back and tells the people what God says. And so they are gladly responding in the affirmative, are they not? Thank you, Moses, for what God says. And by the way, with one word, we will do all that God asks. Now, I'm going to press home why that's the case in a moment. I just want you to see how we open our mouth and say we're going to do something that ultimately we don't do. But it's okay. You need to get this because it says it again over in verse 7. Look at verse 7, Exodus 24, verse 7. And he took the book of the covenant and he read in the audience of the people. What a beautiful event. That's what I'm doing right now. This is what we call expository preaching. Please hear me. Expository preaching is when you come to church. This is called the ecclesia, God remembering us, remembering every part of the body. And you sit under the reading of the word. They are under the reading of the word, are they not? They are under the hearing of the word. This is called expository Bible preaching and teaching. This is not just some man or some woman ranting off at the mouth. You are under the hearing of the covenant as I speak. As I speak. And so Moses read in the audience of the people and they all said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be what? Let me put a parenthetical on that because what you have just seen is the prerequisite to a consecration that's about to take place. This is a covenant that's read and it represents the marriage union between a man and a woman. The man has told you what he's going to do. He has laid out promises. He has laid out uh, rules and regulations for the governance of the marriage. And he has fundamentally says, I will love you. I will protect you. I will keep you. I will guard you. Now the woman is responding in kind by saying collectively as a whole, we will do all that you said. Did y'all get that? This is why we know that in Western culture, so much of what we do by virtue of traditions and protocols are extracted from the Bible. That for us to deconstruct it and remove it is nothing but setting ourselves up for hell. And so here the man has laid out his love for his bride and brought her out of bondage. 
and has laid before her all that he will do to bring her into her fullness and destiny. And it's only appropriate that she says, I do, I will. Y'all got it? I do, I will, because a covenant is about to be established here. It's extremely important for you to get. What has Moses done under point number one? Two things clearly. One, Moses is serving as the schoolmaster that teaches. Would you agree? He's serving as a schoolmaster that teaches. You have to know that we're in chapter 24, and all this began in chapter 21. So for four chapters, Moses has been talking to God, has he not? Chapter 21, verse 1, please. I just kind of want to build that framework for you because... That's kind of what we do. Is that not right? That's what we do. We try to contextualize the information so you can see it for what it is, because so many people are just ignorant and unlearned about the Bible. We're in chapter 24. That means since chapter 20, we've got four chapters we're dealing with, right? In chapter 21, verse 1, notice what it says. Now, these are the judgments which you shall set before them. Who's talking? This is a subject-object relationship. The Lord is talking to who? Moses. See, so what's going on is that Moses has left the people and went and hung out with God. And God's laying out before Moses the whole litany of what I'm getting ready to talk to you about. I'm getting ready to share with you that God has given Moses the Constitution. He's given Moses the Constitution, the Bill of Rights the legislative document and manuscript that constitutes the marriage. And Moses is nothing but the bridegroom, as are all faithful preachers, just friends of the bridegroom, to let the bride know what her rights are, her privileges, and her responsibilities. That's what Moses is doing. Look at verse 2. Exodus 21, 2. Ah, stop. I don't want to go there. I'm going to jump into that later. I'm, I must describe then what's taking place here. What's taking place here can be underscored under point number two as precepts of obedience, sub point B rather, precepts of obedience and promises of what? Right, precepts of obedience and promises of a blessing. I love that. Precepts of obedience. Obedience is always, again, a negotiation between two people where the higher speaks to the lower about how they are to interact. God is giving precepts, laws, and, and mandates. Now, they're, they're given to us in three obvious categories. Are you ready? The first categories are what we might call personal rights. Personal rights. I want you to just write that down. These are personal rights that God is going to lay down on a social. These are social personal rights in order for the people of God to know how to act among each other. We have that in our Constitution, do we not? And Bill of Rights. These are called social rights. How men and women behave. This is why the next verse in chapter 21 was talking about a man being in slavery to his brother. And it can only be done for seven years. And after the seventh year, you've got to let him go. So that this servile status is not one of rigor or hatred or demonic hostility, but rather helping the poor get back on their feet by a servile relationship so they can go back to their inheritance. That's called a personal rights relationship uh, administration that's being laid down. So personal rights are being laid down. And the next thing that's going to be set forth in chapter 22 and 23 are what are called property rights. Write it down, property rights. If you see your neighbor's ox in the ground, you go and help your neighbor by pulling his ox out. His ox 
is his livelihood. You go help him. You remember what God said in the 10 words? You shall not covet your neighbor's ass or ox or house or wife or anything that's your neighbor's. Right. So if we are not coveting, then we are inclined to help. Are we not? See, because whenever God gives you negative, prohibitive principles, he means for you to actually do the opposite. Affirm it by your recognizing that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And so these are what we call property rights. This would be the land. This would be the territory. This would be the cattle, the oxen, the asses, the totality of whatever a man had. His neighbor does not have a right to come in and take it by hook or by crook. Told you, you see how far we are in our, in our nation from truth. And God taught Israel before they even entered into the promised land. When you get into your inheritance, don't you sit up and act like you have a right to look at another man's inheritance and want to take it. For in doing so, you are inferring that God is not sufficient, that God is not caring, that God is not fair, that God does not give you everything you need for life in godliness through a knowledge of his son. Now, we know better, don't we? Listen, I don't need the same inheritance that you have. I don't need to look on it and see how much more land you have than I do. If I spend two seconds considering that, I am coveting. Because see, what I know, and I shouldn't even go here, but what I know is God gave them that parcel of land in Canaan to actually see if they would cultivate a right relationship with God so he could expand it to the whole world. See, this I already know because that's what he did with Adam and Eve. He told Adam and Eve, cultivate my home and I'll let you have the whole world. You will have a model to take from the home of our relationship and plop it down all over the terra firma of planet Earth and replicate God's glory in the fullness of our relationship with him. Now, ostensibly, that corresponds to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Am I making sense? Just trying to help you before we get to a profound experience these people are going to have. So Moses is the schoolmaster. I love it. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse 17, or rather um, John said it about Jesus and Moses. Now capture it. Moses gave you the what? He gave you the law. For the law was given by Moses. And what John is doing is making a distinction between the outer temple and the inner temple between the external framework of proposition and the meaning and substance of that proposition and the content of the gospel. Did y'all get that? Meaning Torah lays out for us a framework of things that can only be totally realized in Jesus. So even though Israel got a parcel of land, what the new Israel gets is the world. Even though Israel gets to reign with God in that physical dimension, the new Israel reigns with God over everything. Even though Moses is the legislator of law, Jesus is the legislator of grace. And grace extends to the whole universe. Are y'all following what I'm saying? So the purpose of Moses was to lead them to Jesus. Hope I'm helping some of you guys because I'm giving you adumbrations of a total theological system. 
My church knows this, having been taught by me over the years. We're doing right now systematic theology, are we not? From creation to anthropology to soteriology to eschatology, we're doing that right now under bibliology. Your Bible is a coherent whole, an unfolding revelation, an unbroken story. And God's telling the story right now. We get to look back and see how our brothers and sisters handled the word. And we get to look and see where we are over against the mirror of that paradigm. Because we are doing the same thing only in an advanced version. Does that make sense? We are in an advanced version. This is what the apocalypse teaches you and me. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You and I know the law doesn't say, but grace does. Why do we need law? To show men and women who the true lawgiver is. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.